skin itch, and you start to scratch. Skin sores. Kidney disease. Rheumatic heart disease. Rheumatic fever. Crusted scabies. Streptococcal infection. Preventable, treatable, curable. That's where all the sickness comes Though long banished to the history books in the modern urban setting, scabies is a disease that is an everyday reality in the remote Indigenous communities of the Northern Territory. One Disease is a not-for-profit organisation that aims to eliminate crusted scabies, the most serious form of the condition, as a public health concern. In this podcast series, we scratch the surface to reveal the history and origin of scabies, current treatment strategies, and just how One Disease plans to achieve their ambitious goal. Scratching the surface, the scabies story. G'day, I'm Brad Firebrace. Welcome back to Studio G here in Darwin for another episode of Scratching the Surface, the scabies story. Jacko from One Disease is here, as always, to keep me honest. All right, Brad. And returning for an encore performance today is Professor Bart Curry from Menzies School of Health Research and Royal Darwin Hospital. Bart's a specialist in tropical infectious diseases and widely recognised as an expert when it comes to scabies. How are you, Bart? Good, thanks, Brad. Last time, we spoke about the history of scabies and your early experiences with the disease here in the top end. Today, we want to look at current treatment strategies for scabies, and in particular, crusted scabies, which is the one disease focus. Uh, I'll hand you over to your old work colleague here, Jacko, because I think he has a question he would like to put to you. Yeah, I want to present to you some words, but preventable, treatable, curable. In a severe case of crusted scabies that you've seen and been a part of that treatment process, is there light at the tunnel for some of these people as, as far as that hospital treatment? Yeah, look, that's really well put, Jacko. There's a massive light at the end of the tunnel, that being with the right treatment, and it's taken us 20 years to come up with what we think is the gold standard treatment for crusted scabies. Uh, we are responsible for, first of all, preventing them from getting the bacterial infection, so we are very mindful of early treatment with antibiotics to prevent sepsis, which is the bacterial infection, so we keep them alive, and then trying to deal with the crusted scabies in a number of different ways. It can take up to four weeks, sometimes even six weeks in hospital, but one of the magical things is you see someone come in so miserable with crusted scabies that they may have been living with in the back room of a house for six months, a year, sometimes two or three years, and at the end of the time in the hospital, their skin is clean and indeed shiny. So that's the beginning. It's not the end of the tunnel because then they go back to their community. And it's when the community has the support and the resources and the understanding to keep that person from being reinfected, which is the scabies-free zones. That is the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the complete picture. Mm. It's not. In fact, no, I take that back. It's not the complete picture because the complete picture, of course, is them never getting it in the first place. But the light at the end of the tunnel for these individuals is that they don't need to have this severe skin disease and they don't need to have it ever again if they can be living in a place where they have access to resources that will stop them getting infected again. So that's the scabies-free zones. But I'll just probably touch on one point. Um, in regards to you know new health staff, health professionals coming up here, you know, we have a, a range of uh, illnesses up here that they've never ever experienced in their medical career. How well informed and educated and equipped 
uh, the new medical staff that come up to the territory because I'm always worried about something being missed because they've never seen it and therefore alternative treatment might have been given but not the right one. Yeah, so Jacko, you've touched on a really important point and the ultimate solution to that is, of course, to grow our own health staff, yeah. um, Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal, but people who have basically grown up in Northern Australia and want to stay in Northern Australia. That's increasingly happening. We are getting so many uh, young Territorians come through as doctors now, both Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal, and nurses as well. And so we look to the future, and, and I'd hope in 10 or 20 years' time we won't have the problem we have now where we have to have so many locum people literally parachuted into difficult circumstances in remote communities where they may only have a two-week locum and they may come from somewhere where they haven't had that much exposure to stuff. They're very well-intentioned, of course. I mean, they've made the commitment to come up here, so you would never detract from their willingness to come and be part of the health workforce up here. But if anything, the in-service that they're getting now because of the pressure of jobs and how busy it's become... The in-service is less than it was 10, 15 years ago. It used to be that any doctor or nurse coming up from down south to go and work out remotely would have a solid one-week, even two-week in-service in town, either in Alice, maybe even in Catherine or up here in Darwin, and they would then go up to the wards, meet some of the longer-term staff, learn about scabies, learn about rheumatic fever, rheumatic heart disease. Now, with the locum services as it is, because a lot of it's privatised, they literally hop on a plane and then get sent out to the community. And uh, some of them, of course, are excellent with experience, but you also have younger people and indeed you have some quite old people who come in for the first time. And inevitably it's difficult for them, certainly for the first week or two or month, and then they're just about ready to leave. So it's not an ideal circumstance, but they need to know that they always have people they can ring up, up the line. They can ring the emergency department at Royal Darwin or, or Gove Hospital or and speak to a senior doctor or a senior nurse who has experience and maybe get a feel for things but there's nothing better for me than seeing one of the people who's come through our own medical school here they've gone out done their training in general practice and then you get a call from them and they say oh it's so and so I'm now working out in you know I'm at Adelaide River or I'm out in Gapawiak and 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 you know that they've basically done their medical training up here and so you feel very comfortable talking with them about the circumstances. But yeah, yeah. people do their best, but they need resources and they need training and they need to be able to have access to advice from people and not criticism, and it, it is difficult. Fighting many diseases by targeting one disease, scabies. Scratching the surface, brought to you by OneDisease.org. So Costa's scabies is now, by law, a notifiable disease in the Northern Territory. Mm. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah, look, that's something that I'm really supportive of, and I, I think the CDC has done really well to get that on the list. The Northern Territory is the only place in the world where crusted scabies is a uh, notifiable disease. Notifiable diseases means that it's a disease of public health importance that by having it notified means that there can be a public health response. With crusted scabies, what that means is, is that by being notified, it means that it's not that person is not lost in the system when they left, they, they leave the hospital, or may, they may not even get into hospital. That person is representing a potential core transmitter of scabies for the community in which they live, and therefore the public health nurses in CDC in Darwin or in Catherine or down in Alice Springs can then work with the community 
health workers and staff to make sure that that individual is recognised and that they have whatever support may be needed to make their uh, living conditions more amenable to not getting infected again. So this is the whole scabies free zone business. So by having it as a notifiable disease, that's really a powerful tool to provide support for making the environmental health side of things, the community nursing and health worker side of things strengthened to make for that individual their episode of crusted scabies their last ever. And for every person with crusted scabies in the ideal world, it should be their last ever because from then on they are recognised as someone who is at risk for them as an individual because they may end up dying from it and they also are at risk to their community. So that notification of crusted scabies is so important. If you made all scabies notifiable, it would be a nightmare of trying to chase up everything. You'd be like legless lizards running around uh, mm. trying to um, figure out what to do. But this is a really strong target, crusted scabies, and good on one disease for sort of helping push that because that has to go through anti-government, you know, to get actually listed on a legislation as an additional notifiable disease. Yeah, okay, but um, Dr. Sam Prince actually made a bold statement, and I and I when I look at statements like this, they I hang on to them. Now he says he believes that he can eliminate crusted scabies from the NT. I'm actually an optimist in in this regard, and um, how one disease was approaching it and more than hopeful that we could probably achieve this, but I think that might require a considerable amount of follow-up and not just we all exit and think that scabies has been eliminated. There's got to be some sort of ongoing or flowing effect where we're actually progressing this in in some sort of manner. Jeffrey, the first thing is that with one disease, the aim is elimination of crusted scabies as a public health problem, which means getting the numbers with this severe infection which is so transmissible to others, getting those numbers down to a very low level. And that's what, when things are eliminated as a public health problem, it doesn't mean they're completely gone because eventually someone will pop up with this, but they no longer pose a threat to public health. So the point being is, is that after that, there will still be ordinary scabies around. But if there's a very, very low level of crusted scabies because the people have been identified, treated, and they're in scabies-free zones, then we can truly say we've eliminated crusted scabies as a public health problem. And then the question comes up, can we now eliminate ordinary scabies altogether in the communities as a problem? Now, remember that ordinary scabies was not part of traditional lifestyles at all here. Mm. And in the big cities of Australia, ordinary scabies is not a problem. There is occasionally scabies in nursing homes around the country, and it does exist. But as a public health problem it is at a very low level. So there have been a number of studies, as you know, in remote communities in the Northern Territory, which have been temporarily successful in dealing with the whole population where scabies rates have got down. But what's happened is, is that within 12 months, because of the mobility of people between communities, scabies has been reintroduced. So for instance, uh, in one of the studies on one of the offshore islands in Arnhem Land, At six months, scabies was right down, but by 12 months, it was back up again because a number of people come back to the community bringing scabies in again because that was their home. They hadn't been there during the scabies treatment days. So this idea of healthy skin days combined with use of medications to deal with scabies is a concept that goes back more than 30 years elsewhere in the world and can be very successful if the communities buy in and there's enough treatment of enough people, so enough coordination. 
there's no way we'll ever be successful with any whole of top end or whole of territory or whole of region mass drug administration program unless it's a strength-based approach coming out of community. So it's not a matter of us in Darwin or me at Menzies or me with my hospital hat on saying, hey, you guys, we want to come out and we want to chuck a whole lot of ivermectin at you and the kids are going to get all the tube permethrin likely or whatever. We're ready. We're here. We're going to try and help get resources for this. You figure out the program you want. One disease may be able to help you. These other people, the uh, Aboriginal community controlled health sector, Let's get all this together and work together if you're ready for it and if you feel as though this is the right thing for you as a region. Scratching the surface, the scabies story. To scratch a little deeper, head to onedisease.org. One of the concerns has been in relation to both skin sores, which are called also impetigo, which is mainly these strep A or streptococcal Bacteria. I'm glad you said impetigo oh, because yeah. I've been saying for a number of years impetigo. Yeah, you can say it how you like, Jacko. <laughs> that's fine. Impetigo. <laughs> it's impetigo oh, from the impetuous one. Yeah, okay. I know. So the thing is that the, with these skin sores and also with scabies, there's been this issue of normalisation. And I think they're so used to living with what is really a, a medical or health problem that they don't recognise that it doesn't have to be that way. So in other words... That's all they've ever known is that their kids have skin sores or their kids are itchy from scabies or their kids have a, this what they call a wet cough, the chronic cough. These are all things that are not part of healthy living, but people, they just have had so little positive feedback from their interactions with health that this is what they live with. And that can be turned around when people see the normality of healthy skin. Normality is not the skin sores or the scabies. The normality is healthy skin. And I think that that's a very important message. So there's a lot of possibilities out there for all of this. And we have the the medical tools, but the issue is, have we still got enough support at a institutional level? I'm talking about governments, territory government, Aboriginal community controlled health centres at the national level, which is NACHO, as well as AMSAN. And uh, then we've got uh, top end health services, Commonwealth Government, Department of Health. Are they all feeling that they can come together to support community-based initiatives, which are driven out of the communities themselves, but obviously need to have the medical input because you've got medications involved. But we now know the medications are safe. We know from experiences overseas they can be given, but you can't do it haphazardly because the last thing you want is mass drug administration in one place that is not then carried on to the neighbouring community. And so within six to 12 months, you're back where you started. And then people just have no appetite for that ever happening again. But... In 2013, the World Health Organization added scabies to the list of neglected tropical diseases. Yeah, what can you tell us about neglected tropical diseases? So the neglected tropical diseases has been a a way for the World Health Assembly to have WHO, the World Health Organization, put emphasis on a number of diseases that really could do with some more global recognition and resources. So these are diseases that have always been a bit more in the background. So The diseases that have been in the foreground, of course, which are the big killers, HIV, malaria and tuberculosis. And we recognise those and they're all devastating illnesses. But there have been a whole lot of other so-called lesser diseases, which when you add up globally can still affect millions of people. So scabies was added in 2013 because the figures are astronomical for the numbers of people who have scabies. 
So that's morbidity. You've got illness or sickness from it. But mortality is when people die from it. And it's hard to actually say that a person died from scabies when, for instance, they died from group A strep serious infection, which they would never have got if they hadn't have got scabies. But the fact is what they died from was the strep infection. So it was hard to what they call quantitate the burden of scabies. But increasingly people recognised that while a lot of these other things are being dealt with, you're being left with people, particularly young kids, who have got continual scratching, waking up at night scratching, passing it on to their other family members, the other kids. So in 2013, the World Health Assembly agreed that they could add scabies on. And then within about a year, it slipped off the list on the WHO website because the WHO didn't have enough resources and they said, well, we can't deal with all of these things. So it was sort of let let go. And there was such a kickback from a lot of our colleagues who have been helping us in Australia and globally, the people working in the Pacific programs, that it's now well and truly back on the list, scabies. So it's definitely in there with these others. And the thing about these neglected tropical diseases is that many of them can respond dramatically at a numbers level to specific intervention, what they call interventions, a bad term intervention, So, but mass drug administration programs. The problem being, of course, that other people will say, well, if you've got these vertical mass drug administration, it doesn't deal with the primordial or the, the, reason, the baseline reasons of poverty and overcrowding that deal with it. And that's true in itself. So you've got to balance your specific management through mass drug administration, say for scabies, with the ongoing work on the ground to try and make the things that set up those uh, neglected tropical diseases in the first place because they don't happen in affluent Sydney or Melbourne anymore like they did 100, 200 years ago. So this is this vertical versus horizontal discussion that goes on. So the thing is that if you can continually support the concept of improving uh, households and and, um, water supply, sanitation, infrastructure, uh, number of rooms, number of people per room, then you can also do good by having good medical programs of mass drug administration. And I think that one of the things just for me to finish on is is that this whole issue of these primordial or antecedent or upstream determinants of all of these things. You know, I have, when I'm giving talks, if I'm talking about rheumatic fever, rheumatic heart disease, my slide about the primordial for that, the things that set it up, is exactly the same slide as if I'm giving a talk on trachoma or a talk on scabies or a talk on impetigo, skin sores. Pretty much everything goes back to these same primordial things. So, I mean, in the ideal world, if you deal with all of that stuff, then you're already uh, dealing with all of these neglected tropical diseases. Scratching the Surface, the scabies story, produced by Skinny Fish Music for One Disease. You can download other episodes or the whole series from your favourite podcast provider. And for more information and resources, head to our website at onedisease.org.